to another episode of the Miles Offside Podcast, where we talk a little bit of jingle and a whole lot of bells. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy From Afar, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Mr. Santa's Reindeer, Chuck Bailey, and Super Producer, the Grinch, Ian Stimson. How's it going, boys? Which reindeer? I won't be blitzing. Don't make me blitzing. (laughs) (laughs) You're Olive, the other reindeer. We were all aware of Chuck's long-term anti-blitzen agenda. Definitely. Who's Olive? Olive the reindeer. Yeah, do you know? Have that movie over there. You know, in the in the, the Rudolph song, they're like Olive the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. Oh, so somebody right. made a movie about Olive the other reindeer. That is a thin premise. That is yeah, thin. <laughs> <Wow>. Wafer <laughs> fucking thin. Wafer thin. Even I haven't seen it, but I would assume it's about like embracing yourself, even if you're an outsider and an outcast and blah. I'm like, we already have Rudolph for that. Uh, what, what, what's Olive doing here? I like the idea that Rudolph might have been bullying Olive. Just payback. Well, he was paying it forward in that way. Is that paying it backwards? Payback. Payback. Is that where payback paying comes it from? backwards. Whoa. Is that what payback? That's already for? a film. That's already a film. Merry Christmas. Die Hard. Uh, Ian, let's Fucking check in Obama. on... Obama. Obama said Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. Not my president. Uh, <laughs> I mean, literally not. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole separate conversation about what's a Christmas movie and what's not. The conversation's not, done. Die Hard's the best Christmas movie of all time. Okay. Yeah, I think we had this exact debate last year. Too. Every year, I think. <laughs> I watched Home, Al- Home Alone 2 last week, and I'm very surprised that those people still had their kids. Awful. Awful people. And they weren't taken away. Yeah. Uh, well, white, middle class, well, middle to upper class family. That house is ridiculous. What the hell did he do for a living? And with that many kids? Are you kidding me? Insane. What, do they have like 15 kids and they can afford a big house? I'd be living in a shoebox if I had that many kids. Drug lord. I mean, I don't I don't want any kids, so I don't have to live in a shoebox ever. I, I can live in a nice house, but, you know, if one has that many children, then it must be hard to live <laughs> in a nice one, house. If one were to make that life decision. Yeah, and I found if you keep all your shoeboxes, then, you know, it just gives you more areas for activity. And you can make a fort, which is kind of like a house. Is Home Alone 2 one of the only films that is better than the prequel? Oh, better follow... That's a whole... Be- better like... as in a greater form of negligence upon your child? Or <laughs> I'm not making a value judgment on their parenting, which we've already discussed is appalling. But it's just a, it's one of the few films that's better than the first film. I mean, right off the top of my head, the most important movie trilogy of all time, Star Wars Empire, is better than New Hope. True. Yeah, good one. Terminator 2... Better than the first one discussed. Terminator 2, definitely better than the first one. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Join us next week as we list random trilogies with a good middle (laughs) installment. Shocked that Oscar doesn't want to talk about the football this week. Yeah. (laughs) He's happy to talk about this. Start things off with the big big story, which is the Papa John's Trophy. Mr. Stimson, care to tell us about what's going on in the Papa John's Trophy? So we... Fresh from the oven. (laughs) <laughs> we absolutely uh, smashed the minnows of the West Ham under-21s. Congratulations, they're only 13. Yeah, I don't know. What do I say about this? Yes, we found some form by beating children. Uh, West Ham's under by beating children. Yarmolenko played. What? Yeah, Petrček is literally playing with the Chelsea under-23s right now as we record. There's a couple of other players I'm sure I'd heard of. Um, and we got some form because we beat Rochdale 4-1. Clark Harris, our striker, had a hat-trick within 25 minutes. So good times now. You know, we've, we've drawn Portsmouth in the next round, so oh, we're out. Oh, you're out. That's but it. But, like, you know, whatever. Good times for a little while. No more Papa John's for you. No. No. 
Nope, although if Papa John's want to throw us a sponsorship, I'd be happy to talk about how great their pizza is and how it definitely doesn't make me sick for days at a time every time I have it. <laughs> and how Papa John himself is an awful person. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah. Well, he is a corporate overlord of some company in the US, oh, so... a terrible, terrible... I listened to a podcast that reviewed, like, his autobiography, and he just comes across like such a self-absorbed mental case, like, just awful, awful person. Wanted to, like, send his... Send his workers home so they were off the clock, but then bring them back if uh, if the the place the franchise suddenly got busy, so as he didn't have to pay them for their twenty minutes while they went home, which would have all been travel time anyway. Awful, awful man. Still, I'd like to win the Papa John's trophy. Well, speaking of awful assholes, we are the Miles Offside Podcast. Thank you for joining <laughs> us. If you are joining us for the first time, we are very happy to have you. We are. One American and two Brits who talk about the Premier League, but mostly go off topic. Uh, and if you are back... Never. Really? A little bit. Yeah. Um, if you are joining us on returning, if you are back, thank you. What? You do the same... Say it's just the same thing every fucking week and you still... <laughs> Words and talking. Nah, I don't like to say things the same way twice. Come on. You, know. you don't have a choice. Well, this isn't the 114th time. <laughs> I mean, I fucking just a few... Um, Some consistency is fine. You know, uh, reviews and likes and sharing with people and all all that stuff. You know the stuff. Um, And with that, we'll kick things off with our very, very famous segment. Rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. Our top story this evening, gentlemen. It's a coincidence that most people would not have spotted in their wildest dreams. But when it comes to predicting scorelines, Corinthians fans have found a way to know when to fill in the blank space for a win. That's right, Brazilian Twitter user Timau Dados noticed that the Sao Paulo Giants have never lost their last game before the release of a Taylor Swift album, or the one immediately after. It is a streak that goes back 15 years when they have (laughs) won every single time the match before and after a Taylor Swift release. What? Top story! Yeah, we got all the big ones, you know. <laughs> it never ceases to amaze me how superstitious football and football fans are. It's genius. It just gets more and more bollocks as the years go by, doesn't it? <laughs> it just begging for more Taylor Swift music. You just, <laughs> I just like the idea of Corinthians fans just tweeting Taylor Swift going, when is the next album dropping, please? <laughs> <laughs> Can you time it around the Champions League final and semifinals, please? <laughs> Does it count for re-releases? Can she? T- can they just pay her to keep re-releasing the album in Brazil? <laughs> She's re-recorded all her masters. I mean, if yeah, that, just if one that bonus track, <laughs> deluxe edition with a music video or whatever. Um, someone photoshopped a picture of her at the what would that be? The American Country Music Awards, probably some award show, wearing a Corinthians jersey. <laughs> <laughs> She's a fan. Nice. Yeah, she looks phenomenal in the jersey. It's, it fits her very well, the Photoshop job. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> yeah. Do you think she'll uh, take over, like a Wrexham situa- situation? I mean, the link there, maybe she'll buy Notts County. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. I mean, I, I just assume that Notts County still supply Corinthians with their kits. That was the thing, wasn't it? Isn't that the history? <laughs> I don't know. Football nerds? I Someone no tell me. I what you're talking about. Corinthians got their shirts from Notts County in... Insert year nineteen, whatever. Oh, is that because like they're an incredibly old football club? Is that mm. so? Right, okay. Do you remember um, how was like with footballing coincidences? Do you remember how um, Aaron Ramsey was accused of killing celebrities every time he scored? 
No. Every time. So Aaron Ramsey didn't score massively often, but, you know, occasionally for Arsenal he'd score. And every time he scored within a day or two, like a famous person would die. Right. It went... Uh, I mean, I haven't got these in order, but I, I, I looked this up because I like these like weird, stupid coincidences. So Alan Rickman died within days of an Aaron Ramsey goal. Right. David Bowie. Yeah, that was a bad year. Yeah, really was. Robin Williams. Yeah. Whitney Houston. Yeah. Uh, then we get into the evil dictators. Uh, Colonel Gaddafi. Okay. Osama Bin Laden. Mm. And Steve Jobs. Right. Well, I'm on his Wikipedia page right now, and he scored 45 goals for clubs and 21 cl- 21 goals for his country. So How many victims two. are we yet to find? Oh, my God. Get him in for questioning. The most prolific serial killer of the 21st century is Aaron Ramsey. I don't know. I think Shipman's still up there. But... <laughs> Took a turn. All right. Well, we got to a sufficiently weird place, so shall we move on to the next story now? <laughs> That's how this goes. Uh, let's see. Next up, what's a good one? Ah, yes. The Champions League draw. That's actually somewhat relevant. Yeah. Um, that was the one funny story, and then there's four, like, actual news this week, which is kind of boring, <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> it's what it is. Um, then we have the Champions League draw. So Liverpool will be facing last season's semi-finalist, RB Leipzig, in the last 16 of the Champions League. Chelsea have gotten drawn with Atletico Madrid. Mm. Manchester City got an easy draw, as usual. And uh, some other big notable fixtures there are Barca facing PSG and Manchester United. Who did Manchester United get in the Champions League draw? I'm, for some reason, I'm not seeing them in the round of That's 16. That's really the weird. Champions it's League. not like UEFA to make a mistake like that. It's really poor. Yeah. Do they not just get an automatic buy because they're such an incredible club with such great yeah. history that that means yeah, that yeah, we yeah, have yeah, to yeah, yeah, yeah. bow down? Yep, yep, yep. Literally, every other English team finished top of their group in Europe. Even Arsenal. Like, <laughs> have a word with yeah. yourself. Although Arsenal already started off in the bad one. Like, if I wonder if United had started. Fuck this. I don't care about United. Um, let's see. Liverpool, Leipzig. That's a good one. That's Leipzig good. are very, very good. Mm. I think all of the fixtures, I mean, they should be because it's like the best teams. But pretty much all the fixtures are really <laughs> good. And quite competitive considering how many of the big teams are having a bit of a shit show this year. Like, Real Madrid aren't performing that well. Barcelona aren't. Um, so, who is it? It's Atalanta-Real Madrid. So, that could be a really interesting game. Liverpool like Yeah, Atalanta are like the analytics darlings. Everybody in analytics is just obsessed with Atalanta. So, they're good. And, no, and a lot of people in the mainstream haven't noticed. I don't know if no one knows. It very much, at this point, it feels like, you know, when people kept saying Belgium were dark horses. Like, we're in about the fourth year now of Atalanta being... Quote, unquote, <laughs> unexpectedly good, or whatever it is. Well, expectedly, because we're going off yeah. expected goals. <laughs> eh? Eh? They're expectedly good. How many uh, goals are unexpected? Keynes was. Well, fuck well, off you. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, I think you said something really that kind of touches on why the fixtures are all really good, or really good on paper, quote unquote, right? Because you see, like, PSG versus Barca, and you're like, oh my god, what a massive fixture. Mm-hmm. But like PSG are just way better than Barca, and I think the reason that we have all these big fixtures on paper is because a lot of these teams are struggling, and so it led to a lot of big names coming in second place in the group, mm-hmm. yeah. which then puts them up against other like quote-unquote big teams that won their group. So like Chelsea drawing Atletico is like not ideal, given that we won our fucking group, right? Like I don't want – Atletico especially scares me more than like – a lot of other teams that are quote unquote in 
in Crisis, Crisis, Crisis. But I don't know, man. Do you guys think, other than probably City, because they're much, much better than uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach, uh, do you guys see Liverpool and or Chelsea making it to the next round? I think it's it's a collection of fixtures where you could possibly justify everyone. You know, it's we've seen a different form of Chelsea recently being able to be more defensive. A lot of people now know what Simeone's Atletico are about. Um, they're doing quite. I think they're doing quite well this season. I don't know. I can pretend I know La Liga. <laughs> Real Sociedad had a top. I know that. Uh, and Man United have got them. Uh, Man, City, Man City should have kept David Silva. Um, yeah, but no, I think I think they're all really good matchups. I, th- I think they are, and and I think that's what makes like a lot of people are kind of saying that it makes you know the the usual dig is always the Farmers League, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I I take Farmers League to mean when there's just one team that wins it every year, like France, and then the rest of it's just like who knows what's going on, right? Because there's such a huge drop in standard. Whereas now it's kind of being turned on the Premier League and stuff, especially this weekend with. None of the big six, um, I say big six because it's the top five and Arsenal um, winning. <laughs> Did anyone win? No. Um, that, that makes it a farmer's league. But I don't know, it's, it's kind of weird that that almost for me makes it more competitive and better. And then if you apply that to the Champions League, then that's what that should be about, right? It should just be about best teams and, and coming through and those guys, that kind of jazz. Yeah. Um, I just was pulling up the stats while you said that because you said you don't know how good Atletico are. They are currently third on expected in La Liga, ahead of both Real Madrid and Barcelona. So not a great draw for Chelsea. And if I pull over to the Bundesliga table and sort by expected, we have Leipzig at the very top. And holy shit. Five. Nope. Doing math. Yeah. Five. Nope, doing math. Six Jesus. points clear. <laughs> I can't subtract when there's decimals involved. Six points expected of... Six expected points clear of Bayern Munich. Six. I remember sort of having a talk and we go, what was... Thing is, there's a lot of podcasts with people talking about football. What's the, what's the USP? Well, not many have got an American who's really good at maths. You know, fuck me. <laughs> okay, that's 100% correct. <laughs> I got nothing... <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what I always say to that. There's a difference between real math and arithmetic math. I can't do arithmetic math in my head, but I could do equations. It's all numbers, mate. Not, all of it. All numbers. All numbers. That's true. Everything is numbers. All of us. Uh, I'm going to move on to the next story. Coronavirus tears. Uh, London's football clubs will be unable move to host in, fans from tip. Wednesday. Move, move. Oh, that's not a good thing, is it? I thought that meant we got yeah. promoted. Damn it. Promotion. Not for Palace. No, because I think you guys benefited quite a bit from the crowds this weekend. But... Let me just get this out. Uh, the Capitals moving into Tier 3, so all London clubs af- as of Wednesday will not be allowed to have any fans. Um, as it stands, only Liverpool, Everton, Southampton, and Brighton will be able to allow fans inside for top flight fixtures. Doesn't that seem like a situation where maybe you just want to not allow any teams? No, I think... That's a huge advantage for just those four. No, I think they need to make the Brighton fans um, make the most of it because they're not going to have Premier League games for much longer. So <laughs> they need to be able to get in and see them. Can't let one go. Scum. Um... <laughs> Subhuman scum. Is it that huge of an advantage? We haven't really seen any sort of pattern. Like Burnley won and they were at the Emirates and Arsenal had fans... 
Yeah, I mean, they must be delighted to be going into tier three. Don't have to go and watch Arsenal anymore. Fucking Even in a full yeah. house, Arsenal Stadium doesn't make any sound, let alone that like 20% capacity or whatever it is. <laughs> what? Is it like if a tree fell in the forest? If a fan went to the Emirates, do they make any sound? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If a Bamiyang scores a goal, does it count for Arsenal? <laughs> no, it Not so much though. this season because he has more own goals or the same number of own goals as regular he is, goals. He's also Burnley's second highest goal scorer. So well done. Oh boy. <laughs> Two very, very interesting stats. Chuck, do you not feel though, like in actual, like all, in all seriousness, do you not feel like the Palace fans really helped in that result and especially in that performance? We'll get to the Tottenham thing, but like. I felt like the fans were really dragging that team from preventing them from like f- dropping too deep into a shell the way they otherwise might have in other situations against a team like Spurs. Um, it's hard to compare because I know what a, what kind of a team we are like when we do play bigger opposition and we do get up for games like that. Mm. And then the previous game, we did attack it with the same lineup or the, sa- the same front four as well. I don't think we made any changes specifically with the team. So... I don't know, it'd be hard to say specifically what impact it had. As it is in general, you know, we've said towards the tail end of last season, it seemed like all the young players or younger players were benefiting from there not being crowds and people playing with more freedom. But then also it was the end of the season, whereas this one, it's kind of, it seems to be compiling on. Um, Now, I don't know whether that meant that it kind of arrested the slide a bit, but you know, do do you think two thousand people in Craven Cottage all of a sudden makes Fulham that team? I, I don't know. If, it felt like it helped, though. It feels confirmation biasy to me. It really does. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is all obviously like super anecdotal. There's not nearly enough yeah, data to like true. say anything, but at least going off like feelings, which is not at all my want <laughs> as a <laughs> fan. But I don't know. Um, all right. Well, let's move on. There's two like more serious stories to kind of cover. The first is a former Liverpool manager, Gerard Houllier, has died at the age of 73. Uh, the Frenchman managed the Reds from 1998 to 2004 and led them to five major trophies, including the FA Cup, League Cup, and UEFA Cup treble in 2000-2001. Uh, and his last managerial job was at Aston Villa. Um, but he left in 2011 following heart problems. They haven't quite released information about what he died from that I've seen, but, you know, at his age and with heart complications, that's not necessarily the most surprising thing. Um, I don't really know him particularly. That was before my time, but do you guys have any uh, thoughts on this passing? No, so I, don't, I don't have a huge connection, obviously, not being part of the club, but you can, you can tell always with the outpouring of support. I mean, you saw at a different level the Maradona one, but there's pages everywhere and managers, etc. coming out for their support of him. And, and Liverpool as well for a time where they, you know, they did have this quite good success um, around that time and coming into when they, uh, yeah, they won the UEFA Cup and, and it's, it's quite a big European treble for them and that, and it's, yeah, it's always sad when, especially when you see like what kind of impact he had. And so, yeah, condolences out to all of them. And I'm sure there'll be a fitting tribute coming from from Liverpool FC as well as other teams around the league very soon as well. All right. Well, let's move to our next story then, um, and one that, as we kind of touched on last week, one that's very near and dear to my heart for all the obvious reasons. Um, in the match between PSG and Bashak Shahir uh, on Tuesday in the Champions League. The match was abandoned at 0-0 after the fourth official was accused of using a racist term towards Bashak Jahir assistant Pierre Weibo, 
Um, players had taken a knee around the circle at the beginning of the match, obviously. And then when the incident happened, um, they all walked off of the pitch and refused to come back on both teams, uh, which was awesome. UEFA tried to just move the guy to being VAR duty, but still being on that same match the same day. The, and the teams were like, no, we're not playing if he's at all involved. Um, and then they came back the next day and uh, PSG ran out a comfortable 5-1 win, as you might expect. That's not really the important thing. Um, and then Mbappe said he was proud of his teammates and of the Istanbul players for walking off. Any any kind of thoughts on that? Well, firstly, it was only a matter of time before it happened. And fair play to, I mean, it was all the Basak Shahir players that, and, and obviously the manager involved that then stood up at first. And then the second that the PSG players found out, they, they were all saying, like, no, we're going, that's it. I think it was Kimpembe uh, Mbappe that kind of led all of the PSG players on. Because I remember I had this game on and was kind of, um, they were flicking between the channels. And I saw there was like a big disturbance. And I thought, oh, someone's been sent off. And then the second yeah. I saw, and this is obviously the second part, is that it was rumoured to be a uh, racist abuse, which it, you know, obviously it's not racist abuse. However, it was incredibly racially insensitive. And what is absolutely mad is that comes from an official uh, who undoubtedly, because of his station and because of the fact you don't get selected to be a UEFA official without being on on the top end of your own country. And obviously all of the different, uh, regardless of what your national, uh, like how they, how people are in whatever various countries or whatever, wherever you come together, they would have the sensitivity training and you cannot avoid what is the, the kind of spirit of the time at the moment of, of what is going on. And for him to have the referee address him and then decide in Romanian when asked who who it was that he needs to discipline and just go the black one or the black guy, you're like, yeah. come the fuck on, man. Like, have a bit of a sense. Just towards the end of this gentleman here walk over. Like, why do you have to, what, A, why do you have to make it that kind of thing? Or how do you not know the people who are around you? It's, it was just yeah. baffling. It's so basic. And there's a, like you say, there's a million ways you could have dealt with that situation other than that. And, Using race as a descriptor is absolutely ridiculous because I have never in my life, to my knowledge, and I'm fairly sure that's true, been described as the white guy over there. Like, it just doesn't happen. So it shouldn't happen in this fashion either. It's unbelievable that a match official would uh, do that. It's more unbelievable that they would try and just go, well, we'll just shuffle him into the VAR room, like you Mm. said. I mean, just obviously, you just get rid of him. It's almost if the referee's in control of the game, should say, right, well, immediately you're out the game. Let's figure out what we can do from here because that needs to be looked into. Um, but yeah, for, uh, props to the players. Uh, Denver Bar was uh, excellent when he was because a lot of what he was saying could be picked up, and he was incredibly poised in what must have been a. Oh, yeah. Pretty rough situation, you know, like very easy to get incredibly angry situation. Yeah, he kept his composure really, really, really well, which isn't his job as a minority standing up to no. like a, a white person, basically. And but that he did helps to make the argument more effective. I think I have found that in my own experience that once you start like getting emotional or heated, then people are are very quick to dismiss you 
Mm, as yeah. someone who's like hysterical or overreacting or whatever. Wrongly, but yeah, that is absolutely right, exactly. what happens. Yeah, and yeah. so Demba keeping is cool while not his job, I think, was really, really helpful there. Yeah. So as as Chuck and you've said, kudos to players of both teams for this is the only way it's going to get dealt with if and it shouldn't be this way. But if the players take a stand like this, it immediately blew this up into a huge story, which is what it should be. Uh, if if nothing else, just to get awareness of some other ageing match officials who might realise that this sort of conduct just isn't appropriate. So, yeah, I mean, a, a good thing, I guess, mm. <laughs> but uh, that stemmed from not a great thing. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like we've been saying this for fucking years now on this podcast that like the players just need to walk off the pitch. And the fact that we finally, finally saw it and we talked about this a little bit with Landon Donovan's team when they did that a few weeks ago also – that it's happening more is like really it gives me hope so to speak although i do the cynical side of me does wonder if it had been a fan or even a team player from the opposing team that did it would the reaction have been as strong as it being a referee which by the way is fucking insane that it's a referee yeah, like unbelievable that we even have to talk about that um, yeah. or even a referee with you know 50,000 fans or however big their stadium is in the stadium on a Champions League night, like, are the players going to be like, we can't just walk out. How is this crowd going to react? Like, we'll see. But certainly every step forward is a good step forward. And so that they walked off even in this situation is is progress, which is great. Um, I do just want to throw out a sort of minority or person of color perspective on this, which is that I have had many, many times in my life been described as the Hispanic guy or that Hispanic one. Um, And even though the word Hispanic, or in this case, that black guy, like those words aren't racist abuse in and of themselves, the choice to highlight it, the tone of voice in which it is said, which you could hear it in the clip, like this is very readily available if you want to find it online, of the ref and you can hear him the way he says it, like the source, there, there's just so many other factors that go into saying those three words, those five words, whatever, mm. that can very much turn it into racial abuse in terms of the implication of the power dynamics and you have no power here, what you think doesn't matter, I can do what I want, all those implications that are really what sort of is under the surface of racist abuse. In terms mm. of like the malicious intent to make you feel little, to make you feel lesser, to make you – like all, all of the things that are a racist person's goal when they hurl, hurl racial abuse at you, all of those things can very much still happen without like specifically a racial slur word being used. And after having almost 33 years of – you know, life on this earth and having experienced that many times, hearing the tone of voice with which that official said that black guy or the word that he used, which is the same one in Spanish and a bunch of other words, um, and the connotations that that would carry and the specific, like, intent. You can never know someone's intent, but, like, you fucking learn to read the room. You fucking learn to read people after a lifetime of dealing with all that. And so I would very much go as far as to say that it was racial abuse, even if it wasn't like a certain specific word. Um, and that's just something that I feel like I should say out loud 
to a podcast and listeners who are, I would assume, majority white. Um, because as we continue to have progress and grow in this world, those are the kind of things that need to be said, is that it's not just about the words. Like, plenty of people can be racist and do racial abuse around other white people and make it look like they're not. But everyone who is on the other end of it knows exactly mm. what's happening. Yeah, so yeah. It feels... It- when it's that is the it just it feels it's very dismissive that literally the only thing that uh Webo was or is is the colour of his skin. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. that's just it. That's all you are and it's dismissive and ignorance is not an excuse and nowadays and for all the people who are trying to be dismissive of it or or say oh i'm tired of players taking the knee or i'm tired of this like i'm I'm pretty sure oscar you know and i'd obviously i i want to do whatever i can to help in whatever positive way uh, and i'm I'm sure ian's the same but uh, and and of course there's a bit of fatigue but you can't stop you can't allow like i don't want to see those kind of things or hear those kind of things around me and it's challenging and I'm pretty sure it's a million times more tiring for you because like you said oh, yeah. it's 33 years of the Hispanic guy you you know what I mean it's not it's not yeah, right. and like like the number of times I've had someone tell me that my accent is barely noticeable or like wow you're really well spoken and I'm like you fucking moron I was born here of course my accent is barely noticeable yeah I'm well spoken I have two fucking master's degrees like just you know what I mean like that that kind of implicate, but anyway, that that's a whole separate can of worms. But yeah, yeah I do appreciate the two of you guys because I think you guys are phenomenal allies, and I'm I've tried to call that out at times, um, but I do want to might as well take the opportunity now to say it again. You guys are great. Yeah. Um, but that's enough serious stuff. <laughs> Let's yeah. uh, just agree, aggressively yeah. agree. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's just <laughs> some. I don't get many. I don't get many compliments. So it's just... <laughs> oh yeah, oh, so take it. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Um, all right well let's get to the fixtures we want we have a lot of good listener stuff and a very very exciting bluffer that i'm excited about for you guys um so we're gonna fly through these fixtures actually uh we don't ever really have anything interesting to say so if you'll allow me i will take the first few all in a row it's 25 minutes on fulham (laughs) 25 minutes on the fulham revolution (laughs) Uh, all right well we kicked off the week with friday december 11 leeds versus west ham (laughs) haha leeds lost they're overrated (laughs) west ham are they good maybe question mark remains to be seen saturday december 12 wolves zero aston via one wolves 1.1 to aston via's 1.3 so aston via getting an extra kind of point there according to the expectation they're real good jack relich is great I wonder how they're going to look when Ross Barkley comes back. Wolves, wow, what a disappointment. Really fell off the cliff as of last year. <laughs> Martinez was good as well. All right, moving on. Newcastle 2, <laughs> West Brom, which Albion 1. Newcastle 0.9 to West Brom 0.6. I have zero thoughts on either of these teams. <laughs> I, I think I could name like one player between the two of them. And that's all we need to say about Newcastle West Brom. I don't know. I was playing video games. I didn't watch that one. So, <laughs> Which brings us to... The Manchester Derby. Oh. Ugh. Zero, zero. Manchester United, 0.6 to Man City's 1.3, so a 1-1. One, one. Manchester as a city owes me two hours. That's what I'll say. <laughs> I don't know how you're going to pay me back, Manchester, but you owe me two hours. Time. How could you... Yeah. I don't know. Maybe someone from Manchester could come into my work and let me go two hours early. Yeah, but... you're allowed to be a free man of the city for two hours and just... Walk around in your pants and it's fine. 
Standard night out in Manchester. Yeah. <laughs> For the American <laughs> listeners, that means underwear. It's not just him walking around in regular pair of pants. Like, that's not... Well, no, because in Manchester and the North, that they would describe trousers as pants. Oh, I didn't even know that. I thought all of England pants was underwear. Mm-mm. No, it's because it, Northern English is less changed than Southern English, and Northern English is what American English comes from more than Southern English. Is that true? I don't know, probably. <laughs> so- sounded good, didn't it? <laughs> Linguistics. Um, if you sound smart, people will believe you. Uh, speaking of which, I did read a book that actually American accent is closer to what you guys would have sounded like in the 1600s, but that when we uh, broke off English and specifically like the aristocracy was like, we need to sound different from them, those silly Americans, and they changed the way that they talked. So the British accent is newer than the American one, actually, which is fascinating. But to get back to this, I think this is a really good <laughs> This is how boring this match was. We're talking yeah, about like, exactly. historical accents. We're talking accents. about the linguistic properties of our various accents through the ages. Yeah. Wow. It is fascinating. <laughs> um, I think this was a good example of how Pep has reacted to adversity versus the other teams. Not in that scoring has, goals. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, like he has set out to be more defensive and it has worked to his credit. They have stabilized significantly, and they are not conceding a lot of high-value chances. Like, if you sort by XGA, they are now second Second. behind Chelsea, um, which they were nowhere near that earlier on in the season. So they are moving on the way up with the defense, which is good for them. But they also need to win. They need to score goals. Yeah, Laporte was like... There, Van Dyke and was injured for a while, and now he's just like being dropped and just gone. Now it's Diaz and Stones all the time. That's nice. Yeah, and until something, until you know, Man City concede two in a game or something, I just cannot see him going back on that. Laporte just seems out at the minute, completely out. Oh yeah, big time, big time. Because he like I think he even came out and called him out after one really bad performance. Yeah, well, apparently, apparently the Spurs one. Yeah, is the yeah the Spurs one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, United getting a draw against City. They also got a draw against Chelsea, getting scoreless draws against better teams. Is that a sign of positive for United or a lot of nothing? What's the deal with them? Have we fully recalibrated our view of Manchester United? Because I'm seeing, I mean, obviously they went out of the Champions League, but already I'm seeing the sort of, oh, well, they're performing better than they were last season. Um, You know, I'm already seeing a sort of swing of pro uh, Olay stuff. Um, I mean, what what I mean to say is that if we accept that Man United are now fourth, fifth, sixth place type team, then are they doing fine? I think if you, yeah, if you adjust your expectations, I think if they they ought to, Man United fans ought to, and I think a lot of them have done. Mm. But they're not, you know, expected wise, expected points wise. I know they've got a game in hand and whatever that means, but, uh, you know, they're below Palace for expected points. They're below Palace, they're below Arsenal, they're below right. Brighton, they're below So Leeds. you think the negativity is hanging around because of the performances? I just still think it's players scraping yeah. scraping through and pulling stuff out of nowhere. And like, he can keep saying, oh, it's the, the way Man United were before of going behind and stuff, but that's not, hmm. that's, that's not sustainable. It's not like it is when you're Alex Ferguson and you've built that team and it happens every so often and you know everything and you've got all the referees in your pocket and whatever. But when you're smiley, happy Solskjaer, who, oh, I just want a good team spirit and blah, 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 blah. oh, he's been doing well. Um, 
you know, like it, it's not it's not sustainable. Like it really isn't. No, it's really not. And I think to talk about your the expectations, Ian. To me, I've adjusted twice um, <laughs> because, like Chuck said, it's not sustainable. So we've kind of had to like keep recalibrating with them. Coming into the season, we were all pretty adamant, pretty confident that they were like very clearly the fourth best team, and it was like a gap up to Chelsea, but a gap also down to like whoever was going to be fifth place, yeah. Leicester, Spurs, Arsenal, whatever. We didn't really know at the time. Um, I think the first like bunch of games of the season, the first couple of months, had us recalibrate that significantly downwards. And I think that's where their underlying numbers are coming from because they were so fucking bad the first couple of – first like, I don't know, seven matches, eight matches, whatever it was. Like they were really fucking bad and that's why they are below Arsenal and they were below Crystal Palace and all these other teams unexpected. But I do think more recently they have improved. So I would recalibrate that to say like, sure, now they probably – I would have them as – Pretty likely to end up around fifth. Um, but because Tottenham made such a huge leap, it almost doesn't matter. Because, like, yes, United are better. They're certainly better than they were at the beginning of the season. They're trending upwards. They have had some good performances in there. But, like, to what end? Because they're not going to be as good as the four best teams. So unless they're hoping, like, City genuinely fell off a cliff and can't get back to where they were... I don't really see a route for United into the top four. Like, they're not that many points behind. They're, what, only two points behind Chelsea. But in terms of the underlying numbers and in terms of the, like, stability in performances, because as we've talked about, they're very up and down. Like Chuck said, it's not sustainable the way they play. Um, Sure, they're better than eighth, but I don't think they're better than fifth. So uh, with that, let's move on then to Everton... One Chelsea zero Everton one point two to Chelsea one point oh so a one one oh, draw. Seriously, blitzing through this one. Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> take your medicine. We can actually kind of take this one as a trio because the three sort of horses in the big title race all drop points against teams that are admittedly worse than them. Um, in the case of Tottenham and Liverpool, significantly worse than them. In the case of Chelsea, Everton are a little worse. Um, but Chelsea losing one zero, Tottenham. 1-1 against Palace, and that was... This feels, Ian, this feels like he just wants to dilute his pain by taking it with other fixtures, and then just tries to <laughs> offhandedly lash out at me, saying, oh, it's significantly worse. Like, go fuck yourself. Okay, all right, fine. <laughs> let's let's linger on Chelsea for a second, then. Um, no, 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 no. I can move on from your blue piece of shit, but... No, 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 no I have some fucking... thoughts. Fine, let's I'll throw some thoughts out. First Jeffrey of all... Jeffrey Schlupp, Premier League winner. Respect on the man's name. <laughs> we'll get to Palace. Um, look, this was a good example of there's a difference between a keeper making a mistake and a keeper being shit. <laughs> right? Oh, like, he, just, he just fucking cleared it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not a great combination between Thiago Silva and... Uh, Mendy there for <laughs> conceding the penalty, uh, but I'm not worried about it. Like they just they had a brain fart that happened. He just fucking clotheslined him. Like, he just came was, in. Yeah. That is actually the second <laughs> week in a row where Mendy comes off his line and does a bad job. Because last week Bamford scored because Mendy came out and Bamford was able to pretty easily round him. So Mendy's sweeper keeper abilities are perhaps something to keep an eye on. But two mistakes is not something I'm super stressed about. Right, like. I know how good he is. I know he's not Keppa. So whatever. Um, and then also the loss, like 
everyone's going to have injury problems, right? We'll get to this with Liverpool also. Um, but we had zero healthy wide players. Like, Ziyech is out. Pulisic was out. Callum Hudson-Odoi was out. And, like, as I as I tweeted to either Grace or Kaylee, I don't remember which one of the two, probably both, I'm very surprised to find myself wishing that we had kept one of Willian or Pedro just for some coverage because we have no good hmm. wide, no healthy wide players. And if our main attacking player out wide is going to be Pulisic, who is made of straw, apparently, and Ziyech, who has missed like seven games, a bunch at the beginning yeah. and, and one just now, like then in January, I am, that is a bigger problem. That is something I'm kind of worried about. And something I'm hoping they address in January. But overall, like, they were pretty good. They played them to mostly a draw. They hit the post twice, couldn't score, but, like, shit happens. And Mendy and Silva had a brain fart. Like, I'm not, you know, it sucks, but we were always going to lose eventually. Was it was it no fit wide players before this match then? Um, Basically, like wingers, like Pudisic. But, or did, they, did any of them get injured during this match and then have to come off? Not during the match. It was going into the match. So I said that actually, like, right before the match kicked off, that it was... It was going to be a problem. And Lampard doesn't seem to be able to make a system for when we don't have anyone wide. Like, he's trying to put Mount or Havertz as wingers, and that doesn't work. That just doesn't work. Stop doing that. Maybe, like, if you don't have wingers, like, don't don't play with wingers. Yeah, exactly. Although, like, what system doesn't have wide players? Like, that is just hard to mitigate. 4-4-fucking-2, mate. <laughs> there you go. Classic 4-4-2. I mean, it, it is doable with Tammy and Giroud up there. Play the narrow diamond. Go 4-4-2. Go 5-3-2. Have Reese James and Chilwell work as wingbacks. Throw crosses into Giroud, full Arteta ball. Werner and Giroud. Werner running off Giroud up front. Have that. Beautiful pairing as well. By the end of this match, we had Giroud central and Werner and Tammy out wide. Like, what is that? What not is that? You anything. Can't just... It's not anything is what it is. <laughs> they're just, they're just reeks of fucking, oh, we're 3-0 down to West Brom. Let's go 3-0-7 formation. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was, there, was a, there was a step before that where you're like, okay, I don't have any players who can play here. So rather than just shoehorning in, I don't know. It, it just feels a bit like have a different kind of way of playing. I Yeah, I very strongly agree. Um, I think Lampard keeps hoping that Havertz can play at the wing and he just can't. But yeah, I mean, that's all I have to say about Chelsea. Like, it's a loss. It sucks. We were always going to lose eventually. It had been two months since we lost. So like, shit happens. It is a shame though, Oscar, because everyone up high in the Premier League drops points. And this feel, it's felt like a chance, didn't it? It's, I mean, you must, you must be disappointed at least that there was a chance to, uh, get a couple of points on a couple of decent Yeah, but teams. Chelsea don't win against top 10 teams, do they? Don't win, so. <laughs> I'm going to ignore that <laughs> yeah. comment from Can only beat the dregs of the league, apparently. <laughs> I mean, fine, if you want to get into it, let me get my notebook, because I did take some fucking stats. He very much did. Um, he is. You asked for this, I'll just remind you in five <laughs> minutes. I'm just going to go make myself happening. another cup of coffee, I'll be back. Yeah, go for it. Fine, I mean, I, I did see that tweet making the rounds about how Chelsea can't beat a top 10 team or whatever, so... I gathered some information on Chelsea, Liverpool, and Tottenham if we're doing this, um, because that was a very bad faith, like, let me pick out two stats and then make a thing that's not yeah, really let a me thing. Get, let me get this one here. Palace were in the top 10 when Chelsea beat us, so go fuck yourselves, putting us as low down. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, as the table stands as of 3.59 Eastern Time PM on December 14th, then it's when the Chelsea can or not beat the top 10. But yeah, so let's see. I gathered some data on... When they played the top six and all of their wins for the three big teams that are in the title race right now. Chelsea in their matches versus top six teams, they have zero wins out of three attempts. 
um, although two of them were draws. Uh, so a total of two points out of a possible nine. But if you look at expected, they would have had two wins in those three for a total mm. of six points. So, you know, a couple of unlucky results there against top six teams. Uh, Chelsea also have six wins, only one of which was a quote-unquote Burnley-ing, and that was against Brighton. Um, looking at Tottenham, very similar, very, very similar thing for Tottenham here, which is why it annoyed me that people on Twitter were throwing this around for just Chelsea. Like, it's such a bad faith argument. But Tottenham, three games versus the top six, only one win. But unexpected, they would have zero. And they're currently on five points against those top six teams when they should, when they should, quote unquote, when unexpected, they would have had only two. Uh, and then much, much bigger for Tottenham is that of their seven wins, over half, four of them, have gone against the XG result, have been Burnleys of a sort. So like, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried. Liverpool are terrifying. Liverpool three wins in three against top six, and zero of their wins are Burnleys for the entire season out of seven. So Liverpool, better. Spurs and Chelsea have on and off days. And you talk about the top 10 thing, like all of our fucking results are when Kepa was in goal. That's an actual <laughs> difference. Like Spurs and Liverpool are who they've been. They are getting better, but they don't have new players to integrate. They don't have a new manager. They don't really have like anything particularly different going on. Chelsea very clearly have had to like have been building this together on the fly. And one very important difference in terms of like how it will affect future performance and how that can be used to predict stuff is the fact that Kepa is no longer in goal. So to me, that's like that's a big caveat as opposed to like you know the other two can teams I, which don't. Can really I have add that? some fur- further weight to your argument? Sure. Yeah. Is that uh, if you combine Man City and Man United as well uh, against the top six teams, I think it's uh, they've played three or four games each now, so it's either seven or eight fixtures, uh, and only one of them has been a win, which was Man City one nil against Arsenal. The others huh. have been draws or losses, and Man United lost to Arsenal. And in fact, looking at Arsenal's uh, 3-1 loss to uh, Liverpool, 1-0 loss to Man City, 1-0 win against Man United, 2-0 loss to Tottenham. So it just seems to be all of the top teams can't beat each other. Yeah, except Liverpool, which let's not talk about that. (laughs) But then they're beating the top teams, but then they are the opposite of Chelsea, where it's like, no, we can't win against the bottom teams. Yeah, and I, I do think also like, one of those games where Chelsea can't beat the top six or whatever was against Spurs, and they tried, but Spurs just like didn't want anything other than a zero zero draw to happen, and they they got that. But like that is also a Tottenham not win against one of the top teams. Like they, that cancels itself out. You know what I mean? But Jose likes minus points. He likes taking points off of other teams. Correct. That is just that sustains him <laughs> just as much as his team getting the win. Yeah. Hashtag driven by malice. And I mean, that is the classic Mourinho, right? Like, he's doing it now, and, and Chelsea, to a lesser extent, are kind of doing it now. You draw against the top teams, and you win against the other 14 or the other 17 or however many are, like, other teams. So the fact that Chelsea's losses and wins go are, are lined up with where they should be, to me, indicates a, a very predictive performance over the course of a season, whereas, like... Tottenham's loss was against, um, or rather, like Tottenham drew against a 12th place team and an 11th place team. That's not good. And like Liverpool lost to 10th place, drew with 16th and drew with 18th. Those are points that those teams should be getting. 
and that they dropped, whereas Chelsea are picking up the points that they should be picking up. So it seemed like a very bad faith argument, but I figured one of you was going to bring it up, so <laughs> I wrote down some numbers. and One. <laughs> that's kind of what I It was going to be me. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But let's move on to Sunday then. Uh, uh, Southampton-Sheffield, don't mm. care about either of those teams. Southampton, no, randomly we're, in fourth we're gonna, place. We're going to do Fulham dirty. <laughs> Are we really going to do Fulham dirty? Oh, I figured you would want to talk about Palace first, and then we'll get to Fulham. Oh, wait, wait hang on. It's because you combined three fixtures, so now you're... <laughs> Well, we I started to combine them, and then you were like, no, 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 I'm talking about Chelsea, I want to talk about Palace, and so that's where we're at. Oh we'll god, get there. I don't we'll get know there. what's happened. It's okay, we'll get there. Um, he struggles with time, Oscar, you can't go out of chronological order, he struggles. I know, he's very confused. It's like me trying to subtract decimals, that's not going to work out. I like it. I'm not trying to do you dirty, Chuck, I'm trying to do Southampton dirty, because Southampton are in fourth, they beat Sheffield... Sheffield are a train wreck, the worst team ever, quote unquote. <laughs> Southampton are on four, are in fourth, but I'm not talking about them because unexpected. They're like barely above Arsenal, yeah. so fuck well, that. Well, they they jumped that because I, I did tweet this out that I looked at their expected before this game, and they're about 16th or 15th or something like that. But then obviously they play um, Sheffield United and jump a load of players. But fuck me, like for all of Wilder coming out and saying like, oh, we're just a shit team at the minute, playing shit, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, like, and and fair enough, owning it. Then do something. I mean, uh, you know, we joked about the way they were playing last year. And, uh, you know, obviously they, they caught a lot of teams out. But they scored 30, I think it was 38 goals last year. Right, which is not a lot. It's, it's one per game. But they, they finished in the top 10. John Lundstrom, FPL darling John Lundstrom, was directly <laughs> involved in nine of those goals. Five, five goals, four assists. So 25% of their goals for the season... So they drop him and bring in a different player to replace him. What's the logic in there for me? I get if if you want to take your club to the next level, fine. But they've, you know, they the, the two extremes can happen that they've injected a load of money and tried to become bigger, and then also that they fucked themselves at the bottom by doing that because they brought in Sanderberg, who is meant to be this incredible player, who knows, meant to build the team around him. Oh, why? What does he do? Who knows? You pay twenty million for Ian Brewster who is not playing. And the fact is, before, I said it again, it's a massive gamble player, especially for a club like Sheffield United, who are putting a lot of their money into it, of a guy who had made 19 or 20 appearances in his senior career in the league below. But we still don't know if it's going to pay off because he's not fucking playing. But but they're not... And, they're, and the thing is, they're not fucking doing anything and scoring goals now. So, no. no, and they need to change it up. Like, they desperately need to change it up because... Fine, they're not actually as bad as one point, right? Like, I don't think that they're the worst team ever. But even if you sort by expected, Sorry, technically, they're still... After 12 games, they the are, minute, apart, they from, are. <laughs> apart from Manchester United in 1930 to 1931, <laughs> that had zero points after 12 games in the top flight season, Oof. Sheffield Oof. United is second. So okay, so they are they are not literally the worst team. So in I the modern era, right? in the Premier League, they are the worst. This is the worst start ever fine, for the Premier fine. League team. What I'm trying to say is unexpected. They're on about 11 points, so they're like really, really severely underperforming. But that does not make them a good team either, because I've kind of seen the other argument of like, well, they're underperforming, so they're not, we shouldn't talk about how bad they are. Like, no, they're still real fucking mm-hmm. bad. They're still in the relegation zone, unexpected. Like, yes, they're better than West Brom and. Slightly better than Burnley, but like they're still a really bad fucking team, mm. and so I think that yeah, like bring Lundstrom back in. Why wouldn't? But you, give you, it a shot. You picked up on it last week, and have we said about it with Watford? Is that if you get to a certain point, 
where you're underperforming by that much. Like you can't get it back because the simple yeah. fact is, is if you, I mean, regress to the mean doesn't feel right here because that implies moving backwards. So I'm going to say they need to progress to the mean. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing, but they need to it's pro- not, no. <laughs> progress to the fucking mean because at the minute, if they then do a normal season and, and in a normal season for the last four years, I think 35 points has got you it. Right. Yeah, it's always less than forty. Forty is a thing that managers aim for, but yeah. it, you, ne- you don't usually have to get forty. Yeah. No, not now. And so, if Sheffield United at the minute are about ten under, and then they progress to where they're supposed to have been expected to, <laughs> that needs to be they need to be aiming for a minimum of forty-five points. Then simply right, because exactly. they've got they've got them. But for them to hit to actually get more safe they need to start they probably need to basically start hitting top 6 top 7 form with the 26 games that are left in order sure. to do that because exactly it's once you get to a certain point it doesn't become about performing to your level it then becomes about performing way over and above Right, Which exactly, is- yeah, because if they do, like, if they actually regress to the mean in the, progress. <laughs> in the correct sense of the word. <laughs> progress to the mean. Um, they're getting Can't about... progress any further, they'll get negative points. They'll get a <laughs> no, points deduction not just for being shit. I will, I will not even remotely engage with this. Man, I thought, um, Ian, I really thought if I addressed the the rules of what actually regressing to the mean was he might let that one slide suck him in I'm trying yeah. to make a point here I'm trying to make a point here yeah. which is that they get less than one expected point per match so even if they regress to the mean in the true sense they will still only end up progress to the mean. on you said there's 26 matches left right they'll end up on like 24 or 25 points for the season yeah that's like they have to wildly overperform or radically change the underlying numbers and then perform to that to get so out of this hole. It. So change something. It's it's so irritating watching them cross to people who can't get on the end of crosses. I mean, this is like what Arsenal were doing. Uh, it's just play Brewster and maybe, maybe just keep it on the floor. Just try something different. Don't go mm. wide and cross to people who are struggling with aerial duels at the minute because it's, it's just not happening for them. So I, that's that's the annoyance you as chuck says you've got so little time to change it now and do something positive because what's happening isn't working it's been worked out the fixture congestion for the festive season is coming up and so it's going to be game week after game week after game week it could very it's already looking like it's at the point now where sheffield aren't going to come back from this and so i think if they're if they're not going to if they're happy to keep wilder and go down with Wilder, then that's fine. But then something needs to happen. And it, it doesn't come from them spending more money in January. And I don't think if they if they are at that point, Sheffield United fans need to accept the fact that that's not a good business plan. It would then become about them, right, who do we sell? Who do we renegotiate? How do we get something so that when we go down, we have a chance of coming back? Like Norwich had last year, is that they had a plan anyway. That they kind of knew where they were at. Yeah. So that it wouldn't be too much of a financial hit. So I keep an eye on that. I, I, I think unless Wilder gets sacked in the next week or so, two weeks, I don't see there, there being any point in getting rid of him. I don't know who they'd get better. So I don't see that happening. But, you know, some just a little bit of variation in what you're doing might help. Mm. Yeah, but mathematically, it's it's so, so unlikely that they'll stay up at this point. So, yeah. Oh well, um, but let's move on to something much, much more exciting, yeah. Chuck. Yeah. 
and that is Crystal Palace 1, Tottenham oh, 1. Crystal on, Palace 1.9 <laughs> to Tottenham's 1.4. You guys would have unexpected gotten a 2-1 win against league leaders and greatest team in the world, Jose's Tottenham Hotspurs. <laughs> Jose, Take it away, Chuck. Jose got a Jose, but Hudson got a Hudson. Know what I mean? <laughs> Big time. Big it time. is the stoppable force versus the movable <laughs> object, object in that sense. Um, yeah, that was... That was good. It was very unsurprising, uh, very surprising. Sorry, and I, I think it's kind of the the star of the show here has to go to Guaita, uh, as much as the front four is starting to click in a, in a way that I didn't think would. Uh, at the start of the season, I never would have put it as. I mean, Eze and Wilf, sure, but to then put Schlupp and Benteke with that really seems to be working very, very well. Um, Eze's set piece delivery is fantastic. Uh, he's already, you know, we we went a long time really without getting many set piece goals at all now we've had a couple from corners direct free kicks and obviously consequences of free kicks this year um but their link up is really really good but Guaita I mean the, the first goal well the the Tottenham goal aside which fair enough when you see it from the angle it does it travels a fair whack and yeah yeah oh it it knuckled quite a bit the knuckle Jesus Christ it was a knuckle sandwich um <laughs> Kane hit it, and it's that they they did show quite a good camera angle that was pretty much behind the original flight of the ball. Yeah, and for about sixty seventy percent of the way it's travelling, it is going straight, and then it veers just enough that I can see how it wrong footed Guaita at that time. And and it's it's like you said with Mendy, Oscar, like he doesn't make mistakes very often, and and so you can kind of forgive them. I, and th- especially I thought the when pundits and the commentators were really harsh on on him about that. Yeah, I mean, it looks bad because it's near mm. his body and he gets a hand on it, but the movement was so fucking tricky on that. It was slightly slightly unsighted as well. I thought it was really unfair. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Genus was a bit like, oh no, I should be doing better there. But then he's also got the Tottenham loving kind of angle, and I think Alex Scott. I mean, she's great anyway. I love Alex Scott. Um, she did a really, really good job of uh, of kind of nailing down and actually giving Palace a bit of time uh, this yeah, week. She did actually, not, yeah, it was really good. You know, last last week in the West Brom game where we won five one, it was literally it was four and a half minutes on a VAR decision and yeah. then thirty seconds something, and you're like feels a bit shit and I know a lot of fans kind of say that about the lower down clubs that it's never about them doing well it's always about the other team not doing or underperforming but anyway I digress but Guaita you know he makes that you know it it can be a mistake and an incredible shot at the same time like both those things can exist yeah yeah. Um, Yeah. but then after that like absolute fucking world he saves pulling off I mean there were the two at the end from uh, you had, I think it was Ndombele's shot came in, then bounces up and Kane... No, Ben Davis, that was it. Ben Davis does the kind of cross that looks like it could cause a lot of problems and go under the bar, which he scored one of those, I think, this season as well. Then comes out to Ndombele, who fires it into Kane and from, what, three yards out? Yeah. Just gets down so fucking quickly to his left yeah, carrier. Great reflexes. It was phenomenal. With, really phenomenal. Like, strong enough hands to stop it from going in, but soft enough to kind of divert it and go to a different player. And then obviously, Dyer's free kick was. I don't think Dyer could have hit that much better. Like, that was a phenomenal dead ball delivery. There was He could maybe have gone about a half a yard to the left, but Guaita got getting up there for that in the 90 whatever minute. Like that's a bit of a, a sucker punch, but it it because I I didn't watch the game live, but from what 
Oscar said, even before he was like, you know, Tottenham had a one nil lead at half time and said, I hope you're all braced for second half Jose Mourinho. <laughs> yeah. And that he just tries to, to stink it out. And I think, you know, Palace getting the goal when they did then kind of made Tottenham come alive a bit again. And you could tell that from even from the highlights package, the way it stacked, because towards the end, it was just Tottenham, Tottenham, Tottenham. But Oh, yeah, the last 10 minutes were like, uh, what's it that Sam Jackson says in Jurassic Park? Hang on to your butts. <laughs> Hang on to your butts, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, it was very much that. But I, I do want to take a second to shout out the Palace attack because yes, Guaita was probably the best player and like helped get you that point. But Eze and Zaha are really, really developing an understanding mm. with each other. And we saw it last week with all the goals that they scored, but I think it was even more evident or to me, it was more impressive despite not scoring five goals this week that they were doing it against a Jose Mourinho side and a very talented Jose Mourinho side at that. Uh, like one of the better ones he's had since probably that season that we won 14-15 with Fabregas and Costa going crazy. Hmm. But he was looking to defend, and Palace still kept creating chances. Like, they were getting through Spurs, which is not easy to do. Like, just look at Chelsea a couple of weeks ago. We tried to break them down, and we generated, what, like 0.7 XG? You guys put up 1.9. Like, that's genuinely impressive. And it was very much like other people were coming in. Benteke looked good. You said Schlopp looked good. I honestly didn't even notice him myself. But the way Eze and Zaha were floating around each other, almost like a dual star system, like out in outer space, like in a gal in the galaxy or whatever, and like they really did rotate around each other and were seemed to constantly be aware of the other player, and it was working really, really fucking well. And <laughs> sorry, I keep back on that. Chuck just changed his background <laughs> to space on the Google Zaha in space, safe. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's funny to just be in the yeah. end, but the rest of you guys have to hear about it. Um, it was great. Honestly, it's great to see them. But we should also touch on Spurs for a second. Um, I just want to say Spurs are great. I'm not trying to talk shit about Spurs. I mean, I'm always trying to talk shit about Spurs. <laughs> Spurs are great. But much like with Chelsea, where we were always going to lose, the Tottenham run of Burnley's right? The run of results <laughs> mm. against the underlying numbers is not sustainable. And yes, expected goals and expected numbers are literally for the average player, the average team. Like that's how they're calculated is just doing the average of all shots from that position in similar situations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Better teams be better, worse teams be worse. Wor better teams be better, worse teams be worse. Yes. And like Hingman's son has always been an excellent finisher. So his ratio of shots Goals to expected goals has always been around 1.4-ish. Um, the double pivot guys were talking about this. I don't know these numbers off the top of my head. But this season, he's been at like 2.3 mm. or something insane. Like, unless, yes, he's better than expected goals. He's better than an average striker, an average finisher. But the numbers he's putting up now, unless he's all of a sudden better than Lionel Messi was at his peak... Which I guess is hypothetically possible. He has taken a significant jump, I think, in quality this year. But unless he's all of a sudden better than the best year of Messi, like he can't keep this up. And Spurs will overperform, but they're sixth on expected points. Like that is, you know, they'll overperform a couple of spots. They'll probably overperform to the top three, top four. It's a combination of when you know how Jose played, uh, how how he plays, and how he can uh, defend and 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 try and you know. 
defend the lead and just frustrate teams and those kind of things. You know, you saw it with Arsenal last week where some people are saying, oh, he respected Arsenal. It's like, no, he didn't. He just knew they didn't have to do fucking anything else and they could just let Arsenal play and it was just yeah, going to be yeah, like yeah. Water, water hitting rock. You know, it's just, it's just never going to do anything, just breaking away, done. Obviously, you know, you can't play Arsenal every week, mate. Jeff's luck going to get you. But... <laughs> It's at that point that you're like, okay, like you said, it's not sustainable. But if if the it not being sustainable and the negative consequence is that you just get a point when you still by XG didn't deserve it, although it's you know it's close, it's one point four to one point nine, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, that's pretty close. Like yeah. that's still positives and that's still a different Tottenham than we've seen in previous years. Oh, it's light years ahead of any Tottenham team we've seen since I would argue Bale and Modric and mm. Uh, they're, they're and, like and, and it just seems to be like based on what we, we've said earlier with the top six teams and their terrible records against each other that none of them want to beat each other. It's just that's what it is about this year is all these teams are going to grind, try and grind out points or three points against each other somehow and nick it, which is so weird because that's almost like the way that teams in relegation play against each other and then just try to blow away the teams lower down the table just makes you think that the way the league is shaped up at the minute and with it still being fairly even and there you know there being what eight points between 13th and first after 10 to 12 games depending on who you are I mean for fuck's sake if Villa win their two games in hand which is what Newcastle and Burnley they're third like, yeah. and so you know the league shook up a bit for a week, but if this is the way it's going to play, you know it it could be interesting and still form it, make it quite tight that you do actually get clusters of teams that are are still going for the league at the end, which is good. And and there's no reason why Tottenham and Liverpool and Chelsea can't be in that conversation as well as Man City, we'd assume, um, once things come back. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good place to transition then to Fulham Liverpool. Honestly, like. I don't really have that much to say about this. Fulham played Liverpool to an actual draw. It was 1-1, 1.7 to 1.8 on XG. So maybe 2-2 is slightly more reflective. But like, I don't know. Is it just because Van Dyke was missing? Because this was most of their players. Like, Allison was there. Robertson and Trent Alexander were there. Fulham just like, didn't let him rest. It was great from the first fucking Fulham minute. Fulham looked great. I called yeah. it. I called it last week. I said Fulham looked better. I don't worry as much. Still worried, uh, Safira. Sorry, uh, but that was that was just fantastic to see. And for the progress from Fulham is absolutely mad because their like, the last three games they've got four points against Liverpool, Man City, and Leicester. Like, that's that's phenomenal. Like if they yeah, can that's... carry that over into the other teams, the teams that are around them in the table, or the teams that are prone. Well, all the teams are prone to a to a Rick and 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 an off day. They can stay up like they. They can be better than Burnley and West Brom and Sheffield United, but it's just whether yeah, it, whether sure. it can be sustainable to that point. But Scott Parker seems to be that team does seem to be gelling a lot more, um, creating stuff. Ruben still a beautiful man. Don't take Ruben off. Sub Ruben off. Five minutes later, Salah goal. <laughs> <laughs> These things are not coincidences. Exactly. I mean, I don't really like. I said I don't really have thoughts on Liverpool. I think you're right to praise Fulham. Um, they are gelling as well as Scott Parker's hair. Huh? No, very Hair good. Gel? Huh? Very good. Dapper, That's all. I just wanted to make that pun. He's a Dapper Dan man. I said, uh, I don't know if I tweeted it from our account or from my account, but I said he looks like he's perpetually auditioning for the role of James Bond. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is fine until he opens his mouth. But yeah. Then he's auditioning for the streets. Every post-match <laughs> yeah, interview exactly, feels yeah. like a spoken word poem. <laughs> it's fantastic. 
But no, and they've got you know just to, just to highlight again, they've got unlucky Brighton next, and uh, then Newcastle. So two really good games um, for them that they've they've got to be targeting and get get something from. There you go. All right. Um, I don't particularly. I know Leicester are in third, and people are going to be like, "Why aren't you talking about Leicester? Why aren't you talking about Leicester?" They're until their non-penalty underlying numbers pick up. I don't really have much interest in them. I don't care about Brighton. I definitely don't fucking care about Arsenal and Burnley. So I'm more than happy to skip these two fixtures because I think they're really fun. <laughs> hey, God, come on! You can't not dedicate at least 35 seconds to just laughing at Arsenal. Yeah. All right. Let's say on three. One. Two, three. up his deltas. Um, you know how I said last week, if you're Slaven Bilic with Mateus Pereira and you're in a relegation uh. battle and you get silly red cards like that, Arteta and Chaka, that's the exact fucking Honestly, same. I have some sympathy for the sort of red mist red card, which happens instantly where a player is fouled badly and gets up and reacts instantly. This was ten seconds after because he thought he'd been tripped up like in the Well I think I think I think that Burley player, I can't remember who it was, Wood Hill or something, um, knew exactly what he was doing. He stood just in the right place to move him back, <laughs> to fall down with him, because you know like it, it's just Every, everything you do on the football pitch is documented. Everybody knows everything about every player. So if you know, you know you've got a player that's really easy to wind up and can get sent off, so that, you're going to make it great. It's like you did at school where you sort of like crawled behind someone and then someone else pushed him. <laughs> that was, Pretty much, right, that's yeah. what they were doing. But even so, if that happens, like, don't, don't, you don't get up and grab someone by the throat, you fucking moron. I mean, yeah, that was so dumb. But what's weird is the ref didn't give a straight red when he was stood, stood there for that. Looking he then directly had to go at to Bart and say, oh, did he grab him by the throat? <laughs> oh, wait. It's what I saw, what really happened, like directly in front of my face. I'm, I'm not sure. I better go check. That mm. I booked him for. <laughs> yeah. 38 crosses. 38 crosses they played in that game as well. That's not as good as their 44 the other not week. Not as good as 44. <laughs> yeah. No. Downward trajectory. I'd rather get a red card and an early shower than play for Arteta's Arsenal too. So I don't really blame him on the maybe, maybe he's much cleverer than I'm giving him credit for. You might be right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Big fuck you to Arteta though. Arteta's yeah. tried to bring him back into the fray. Yeah. And that's what you get. Like some people are just beyond fucking hope. Yeah. And Granit Xhaka <laughs> is one of them. One of many. Are, are, if you're an Arsenal fan, uh, write into us. Are you ready to admit that Arteta's a problem and needs to go yet or not? Because it's I've been waiting for that. It's the whole From situation. All of the Arsenal fans I know. We said we said like a year ago that literally, genuinely, and it's funny enough, it's come around again. And I didn't even start it. They need like someone like Big Sam to go in there. And what's funny is, is managers like that, those firefighters, their price is only going up by the fucking week. So they need oh, yeah. to sort something out. They even need to get rid of all these like negative players, the ones that clearly just can't keep their heads and don't give a shit about Arteta and don't want to play for him. Or they need to change the manager. Or they need to do something. Just Yeah, because they are very close to falling into the relegation scrap. So make some moves. That is great, though. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Or don't. That'd be great. Change my mind. Keep Arteta. Yeah. Granite Xhaka <laughs> every week. All right. Well, that's enough soccer. Let's... uh. Let's do some uh, other stuff. I don't know. I don't want to host anymore, so pass it off for second half duties to somebody else. Second half? Jesus. Are we going for... Uh, anyway, <laughs> are we going for this long again? Blimey. 
Standard. Uh, um, okay, let's do some listener questions. We've not done listener questions in a while. We've got a few good ones as well. Uh, Johnny Werthers asks, he wants us to rank these uh, three spicy sauces. Uh, Tabasco sauce, horseradish sauce, and then he's delightfully put local mustard sauce, i.e. English for us, Chuck, or uh, that yellow mustard that Americans have. We have yellow mustard and we also have spicy mustard. Either one sucks. Fuck mustard. Uh, I'm staying out of this question. The only one of those that I like is Tabasco, so... Yeah, Tabasco number one, the others get in the bin. You don't like horseradish? Don't like horseradish. Don't like English mustard. Don't like wasabi. Don't like that flavour. It's fucking garbage. Gross. Wow. American, American mustard, mustard sucks. I had I had this sauce the other day, which is like a... I can't remember if it was South or North Carolina barbecue sauce, which was like a spiced kind of American mustard that was really good. There you go. Probably North Carolina. Yeah, I'm in. Um, I'm quite upset because I've had to change my barbecue sauce because the supermarket I shop at doesn't do the one I usually have. So I have uh, bought a Jack Daniel's barbecue sauce. Have you, have you tried that? Is it is it poor? I like it, but it's trashy. Yeah. Well, that's why. I mean, I, I might be alright with that, but but you more a sweet barbecue no, or smoky. a tangy or a smoky okay what's your usual what's your brand of choice it's basic bitch it's uh, i think it's an hp uh smoky barbecue sauce but they don't seem uh, to do it in Sains- my sainsbury's anymore that is quite basic bitch it is man i had an absolute fucking nightmare speaking of barbecue barbecue sauce a couple of weeks ago because i ordered this like amazing barbecue sauce from this really little like one mom and pop shop barbecue place in texas uh stubbs barbecue in austin texas and I ordered the variety pack as like a little Christmas present to myself. Mm. And three of the four bottles were fine. And then the fourth bottle got fucking shattered in transit. Oh. So I got a box full of barbecue sauce bottles covered in barbecue sauce inside of bubble wrap. And glass. Um, and the one <laughs> that got broken was my favorite fla- flavor. Oh. So if any listeners feeling really nice, send me a bottle of Stubbs barbecue. 2020 strikes again. Yeah, absolute nightmare. Um, right, so uh, Tom Townley asks, and this is very much just for me and you, Chuck, although we'll maybe find some okay. American equivalent. But uh, this is more of a sort of Christmas-themed question, the confectionery of Christmas. Uh, Quality Street or Roses, and which is the best one in the box? So to explain to Oscar, we have a sort of chocolate... Uh, selection that you can have that very much you have at Christmas time and there's a couple of different brands and, and Quality Street or Roses is uh, the eternal choice um, do, you, do you have any sort of it's because like, they put them in they put them in tins and then they yeah. whack three quid on the price and everyone <laughs> it's just it's just like it's one of those things like a Christmas pudding that everyone buys every Christmas, but no one really eats it. Like you'll have my my mum on the on a counter will just have like a box of Quality Street or a box of celebrations, like an assortment thing, mm. and then she'll have like a thing of Twiglets and then cheese footballs <laughs> and then something else and just things that no other time of the year yeah. you'd ever buy. Did you say cheese footballs? Cheese footballs, yeah, yeah. I want that. I, you don't even need to tell me. I want it. That's fine. It's got cheese in the name. You'd probably like it because it's like a powdery. So obviously they're footballs that are they're kind of it's almost like a wafer crisp. Yeah, it just sort of disintegrates in your mouth. Really weird, but then it's filled with like a condensed ball of cheese powder. Yeah, like Doritos. No, no not like, as tasty. This is like next level shit, and it like 
starts to form almost like a cheese paste in your mouth and just oh, I'm sticks. In. I'm in. Yeah, all right. I'm in. Oh, Let's do it. You'd fucking love it. Um, I don't know that we have any like Christmas chocolate. I mean, I'm sure we do. It's America. There's a Christmas version of literally everything because, you know, capitalism. Mm. But I'm, growing up, my mom always used to get this like tin, basically almost like um, a laundry basket size like a like a hamper almost but small like a small hamper not like the big fucking ones no that'd be silly of christmas popcorn so the tin would be decorated with like (laughs) up paintings of like santa and fucking christmas stuff and then inside there would be three kinds of popcorn there would be your sweet like kettle corn there would be your original and there would be your cheese popcorn and then it would just fill up the bucket it was a it was like a (laughs) like the size of your torso and then just put like a cardboard divider a in the middle. Festive snack. And uh, and that was our festive snack. So me and my brother still like to date are like, yo, Christmas popcorn, where it at? <laughs> Where's my torso sized tub of popcorn? Give me a torso of popcorn, yo. Yeah. My brother got the sweet one. At I Halloween, got the- they physically make one that is the shape of a torso and you just have to bust through the stomach. <laughs> Oh, I would love that. That's like that's kind of like a piñata, right? Yeah. So cool. yeah. combine that, like a Hispanic thing with some, you know, Christmas English popcorn or American popcorn and just make a make a popcorn piñata. Out of a severed torso. <laughs> uh, but what what's the golden barrel in? That one. I like that one. That's car- caramel. Caramel barrel or something. It's yeah, good. that. And I like the orange one. Yeah. Uh, you you bring up the, the relative new kids on the block, the uh, celebrations and the heroes. So, Oscar, this is like yeah, mini versions of uh, regular candy bars that are popular in this country. So you have, I don't know, Dairy Milk, Caramel, Maltesers, Mars, Snickers. Mars, Snickers. You have like Bounty. mini versions, and this is what you have out at Christmas all the time. So you don't oh, have that. That's just uh, Tuesday here. Okay, fine. <laughs> All of our chocolate bars come in like five different sizes. There's like snack size, there's mini, there's regular, there's large, and there's fun extra. Si- fun like size, they're, they're called here. Fun size. It's tiny. No one's having fun with that. <laughs> you're, buying, you're buying six and getting depressed. <laughs> okay. So that that's that solved. Uh, right. Uh, Jeff Pedder says, uh, three people dead or alive to have a dinner party with. Classic question. Uh, Rick Mayle. Because oh, he is my comedy shout. hero, and I love him, and I just wish he was still alive. Oh, such a good um, show. I would like second one, uh, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. Hey. He's very good. He's a fucking G. And the third one would be Damien Delaney to find out why the fuck his <laughs> ideal meal was just Dictators and Keith Richards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good choice. Yeah, Uncle get him Stalin's popping around. the fucker on why that was his choice. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. That would be my three. Very good. Very Balance good. Balance to everything. Yeah. Oscar? Uh, hmm, that's a good one. I will go... Let's go. I'll, I'll go my favourite mathematician, Sir Isaac Newton. I think the smartest person ever to have lived, in my opinion. Um, dude wanted to do physics so bad he invented calculus because he was like, you fucking mathematician morons are taking too long. I can't do physics until I have better math. So get out of my way. I'll invent calculus so that I can come back and do my physics. So It'd be funny if he couldn't take four away from a number as well. <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Um, I will go my favorite author, Kurt Vonnegut Jr. R.I.P. in peace. Rest in R.I.P. We love you. We miss you. He made the world a better place with his sarcasm. And found hope in really dark situations. So I think 2020 would have been a good year to have Kurt Vonnegut around. 
Um, and you know what? I'll take Dave Grohl also because he's my favorite drummer. Have I told you guys about the time I met him for five seconds? And just like vomited excitement all over him. Oh uh, yes, yes, I do remember yeah. that. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. Uh, the good thing is then that we can combine our dinner party, and because they'll then be, wait, will that make six? No, that'll no. make seven. Someone's got to go because uh, it's the rule of six. Rule of six. Well, if you're in a certain tier, of course. Yeah, I vote for Chuck to go, and then I go <laughs> with five awesome people. <laughs> well, yeah, that's fair. That is, that is upsetting. Um, I'd probably have. Um, Ryan Giggs, Ryan Giggs' ex-wife, and Ryan Giggs' brother. Nice. <laughs> you just want to start shit. <laughs> I just want to watch that happen. That just sounds good. Um, I think I might refer, in, in reality, I think I'd probably refer back to a couple of the people from my Aaron Ramsey uh, death list. I'd probably go uh, David Bowie. Rickman, Bowie, Ramsey. Well, Rick- go to town on him. <laughs> <laughs> no, Stop but- scoring goals, you prick! <laughs> Stop killing people. Um, David Bowie, definitely. Uh, Robin Williams would be brilliant. And then I'll probably add Freddie Mercury to that. I think that would be a rocking dinner party. Yeah, big time. I feel like you've got to go dead people because you've got to take opportunities. I might meet living people. There's a chance I could meet these people and have a dinner party. Remote, admittedly. I live in Peterborough. I don't do anything. It's mm. unlikely, but dead. I feel like you've got to take the opportunity to have dead people. Sure, yeah. Although I guess the way you're describing that makes me think that I wasted mine as well. Can I change my answer to Zac Efron, no, no, Ruben no, Loftus Cheek, no. and Alexandra Daddario? Oh, Alexandra Daddario. Yeah, no, Alexandra Chuck, Daddario, Ruben uh, yeah. Loftus Cheek, and Zac Efron. He wins. I thought it was just going to be a, a parade of people whose dicks you want to see, and then you dropped in Daddario. So. <laughs> yeah, you know, a bit of both. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, and uh, finally, we'll go with uh, Tom Townley again. He says, do any of you believe in any conspiracy theories? I mean, this is a rich vein, surely. <laughs> I, think I've, I think I've started a few, haven't I? Yeah, maybe we should save this for a special Patreon episode or an international break. Where do I even fucking begin? Jesus. Still seeing these bloody monoliths appearing I'm not everywhere. convinced that they're not something to be worried about. I'm just saying... I'm a bit I'm worried that a load of lightning bolts are going to hit them all and then the Earth's going to explode. Oh, my God. That'd be 2020. Well, I'm worried it? about that now. <laughs> well, Jesse left Little Mix today, so that's got to be something to do with it. End of day it? stuff. Once... End of day stuff. Um, genuine answer, I definitely, definitely think that there was more than one JFK shooter. Like, I'm very convinced of that. And like, I've read books about it. I've watched movies about it. Like, we joke about conspiracy stuff. I'm, like, vaguely into conspiracy stuff. But that one, like, as an American, is one that, like... Has to be. Yeah, the fizz, like, they, they, you can't have a magic bullet. It doesn't work. Yeah, I'm I'm like extremely convinced that there was at least one more shooter. I also think that the CIA did it, but whatever. Oh no 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 mm. no no! no. Sorry, uh, one of his. <laughs> He's just remembered. He was. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I won't even go into it because it, it's going to turn into this like is a too whole much five of a rabbit thing. hole. Come on. Uh, it was one of the Secret Service guys by accident, basically. <laughs> like he he got shot. It was savable. The guy in the other car was like, shots fired, shots fired, looked around, and then accidentally just shot. Just who do I shoot? The guy that's already been shot. It's like Pulp Fiction. <laughs> just yeah, like, exactly. oh shit, yeah, yeah. I shot Marvin in the face. In the face. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, JFK definitely. Um, <laughs> definitely, that's that covered, definitely. That's a, that's a given, for sure. What about you guys? Anything actually, like jokes aside? I think basically everything that could be a conspiracy theory, I believe, is a conspiracy theory, apart from the really dumb stuff that's been proven by science not to be, such as Flat Earth. 
So I'm confused with that sentence, Chuck. So do you believe all conspiracy theories or you reject all conspiracy theories? Yeah, believe them all until they're rejected. <laughs> okay, right. Show me evidence, then I'll believe to the contrary. Otherwise, I'm everywhere. Hard answer, yes or no. Aliens, have they been to this planet and interacted with humans? Ugh. No. I mean, there's a good reason why they're not still here. There you go. Went, nah, these guys are going to sort themselves out. We'll just <laughs> fucking... Moon landing, happen or not? No, didn't happen. Are you serious? Yeah, didn't happen. <laughs> How'd you have two shadows, bruv? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I go, uh, I, I strongly go back and forth on that one, if I'm being honest. My logical brain is like, oh, it Why happened. is it every it time happened. someone challenges Buzz Aldrin, his automatic response is punch him in the face? Because he's a fucking legend. That's why. What's he hiding? <laughs> What's he hiding? Why didn't he yeah. want to answer questions, yo? Oh. Real answer, Bullshit. they went to the moon. But maybe... <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying it makes sense that they would do it to prank the Russians. I'm just saying. It doesn't not make sense. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> do I believe we went to the moon? No, I don't think the moon landing was a hoax. Is it much more likely or possible that it was a hoax than anyone is willing to admit? No, Most not at all. No, of course it's not. Because you couldn't possibly get the amount of people involved in that to keep quiet for this amount of time. No? I mean, MK Ultra literally happened. Yeah. MK Ultra is not fake. That is a thing that literally happened That's that real. involved like That's the thing, many, exactly. many, many people. People thought that was a conspiracy theory. Nope, we're just giving them all fucking acid. Fine. There's there a really is... good podcast about MK Ultra, by the way. Uh, I forget the name, but just Google MK Ultra podcast if you want to know all about the program. That's not Mortal Kombat Ultra. They weren't just all like dressed up as Sub-Zero and Scorpion and fighting <laughs> each other. What I didn't think was genuine, but apparently is, is that um, this could definitely be a full episode. I didn't realise that, but that was thrown away earlier as an offhand comment. But apparently this could be a full episode, so maybe we'll keep some of this in the tank. Yeah, I think so. Right. I think we could do that. Okay. Should we move Ian, on? Ian doesn't believe anything, Oscar. That's that's why he wants just wants to move on. Either that or he's a flat earther and he's just keeping quiet. He's just keeping quiet. He doesn't want to get involved. No, there, there might be things I, be, I believe. There might be conspiracy theories I believe. But I think genuinely this is clearly a much richer vein than I thought it was oh, going to yeah. be. Oh, yeah. I'm not joking when I say that me and Chuck are very inclined to believe conspiracy theories. It's okay. like the one way that I allow myself to be irrational. Yeah. Because like I'm math, I'm science, I'm blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden I'm like, but ghosts might exist. I don't know. I'm okay, just saying. Right, stop. Right. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> That's so, excellent. And we will put a pin in it. Because yeah, let's I move I think on. we definitely need to do an episode on that. So should we, should we move on to what everyone's really here for? Bluff it up, get it bit high, get back, make some guesses, then you answer questions. It is currently 3 2 1, Oscar's in the lead, he can't get points, he's the quiz master this week. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Excellent. Excellent, excellent. Uh, before we jump in, I want to say shout out to the best Spurs fan I know and lovely Patreon Jeff Petter for giving me a suggestion as far as the theme for this week. You outsourced your questions. He came to me. I didn't even ask. He just said, hey, you should do this. And I was like, that's a fucking brilliant idea. Yeah, big time, big time. Um, So shout out, Jeff. Oh, fuck Uh, it have. He screwed you. I hope he screwed you over. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, no. I think you'll find. So there's two pretty straightforward categories and then one that I'm hoping will be the tiebreaker because I'm very excited about how... So engineer it uh, like that, Oscar. You you make it like that. <laughs> yeah. I've done it. I've done it before. I'm not going to lie. I do, do what I want. There are no rules. So, 
everything this week. And good thing you changed the intro song. It's perfect for this because everything is Christmas theme. Jingle, 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 jingle. I don't know. So there uh, you go. That just Very makes good. it feel like a dream sequence. Yeah, it does a little so, bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay, Chuck. Hello. You said that Ian always gets to go first, so I'm calling you first. Uh, would you like A, B, or C? Aye. All right, very good. Uh, as I mentioned, there are two very straightforward categories, so you will see what you guys bid on here. But there Christmas. are nine, nine uh, reindeer that help fly Santa's sleigh, according to the 1823... Well, it was eight, and then they added a ninth. Whatever. The, Santa's reindeer. There are nine of them. How many can you name? Okay. Uh, this becomes about calling out Ian, because I know all of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I definitely don't know all of them, so... Let's, okay. Let's just immediately... So, so how I'll many... say... I'll say eight. <laughs> so if you want it, you've got to name all of them. Brutal. Brutal. Uh, oh, that's so annoying. But I've got to go nine, then, because it, I believe you that you know eight. Yeah, now I'm going to annoy myself, because I got too cocky, but... <laughs> So I've I've got to go nine. All right, now there are two here that have alternate names depending on different cultures around the world. Don't not... caveat it. But just give it. It's basically fucking the same. Answer. I just in case I don't know which one is the British one. So in case yours is slightly different, I wrote both down. I know they're all from the North Pole, mate. None of them okay. are British. We're not that Brexit. Okay. You have to name all nine of Santa's reindeer. Uh, Olive. <laughs> <laughs> Very Point good. to Chuck. <laughs> okay, I've got um, Donna. Written down. Of course he has. Yeah, I've, got, I've written a couple down, yeah. Yep. Uh, Blitzen. Yep. Rudolph. Yep. Dasher. Yep. Dancer. Mm-hmm. Prancer. Yep. Cupid. Yep. Two more. Comet. One more. They rhyme, don't they? So it's just I've missed a uh, rhyme. He's such he's such a cheating little I've prick. I've missed a rhyme. He? I've missed a rhyme. That's all. He's just he's just a prick. Uh, vixen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I definitely don't know them. Dasher, dancer, prancer, vixen, cupid, comet, Donna, blitzen. Whoever won had to take all of them. And I think you did the right thing giving it to me. It's just that I... Well, I just thought yeah. I'd get your confidence back because after last week, it meant you're probably oh, never going to take a category week. again. So this yeah. way... Very well done, Mr. Simpson. The two with alternate names, depending on which country you're from, Donner is also known as Don Durr with a D, so Donder, which is actually his original name in the 1823 poem that all these are derived from. And Blitzen in the original poem was Blixem, B-L-I-X-E-M. Changed it to thunder and lightning. Yes, that is what they mean. Yeah, German, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, Mr. Simpson. Uh, I'll give you, just out of fairness, I'll give you the other straightforward category to bid on. Okay. Um, there are, as you may know from the very popular song, 12 Days of Christmas. I was going to do this and was going to look it up. <laughs> and so I need you to oh. name for each of these entries the number, the Fuck. noun, and the verb. So, for example, if we were in the song, we would be three potters potting, right? So I'm going to need the full thing. Otherwise, it's way too easy. I'll start low. Uh, three. Ooh, three. Wow. That is low. 
Six. Chuck pushes up to six. Mr. Simpson, do you want to go higher? Do you want to take it above the halfway mark? Um, Yeah, I'll go seven. All right. Ian went seven. Chuck, can you take me higher? Eight. All right. We got eight. Ian, can you take me higher? (laughs) Uh, Nine. All right. Chuck, can you? (laughs) No, I can't do that many because I get get mixed up past. About the numbers? Yeah. The numbers is the hard part. I know, for sure, I know yeah. what all the things are. Yeah, but it's just the numbers, and so I can't go to ten. So Ian's doing nine. All right, Ian, give me nine of the twelve days of Christmas. Okay, I'll start from the break. So December thirteenth, December fourteenth, December fifteenth. Five gold rings. Yes. Four calling birds. Yes. Three French hens. Very good. Two turtle doves. Yep. Alan Partridge in a pear tree. Oh, I'll give you that. One, two, three, four, five. I need four more, please. Oh, okay. Uh, is it, it... There's lords are leaping. Sure, but how many? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all know, um, we all know what they are, mate. Ten lords are leaping. Very good, yes. Twelve drummers drumming. Very good, yes. Two more. What, num- what numbers haven't I got? Uh... Eight maids are milking. Yeah, ah. I figured you would get that one. Um, eleven ladies dancing. Oh no! Yes, Piper's piping. Oh. <gasps> eleven is Piper's piping. Nine seven, is ladies seven, dancing. Seven swans are swimming. Six geese are laying. Eight maids are milking. Five gold rings. Yeah. Oh. I, Very I good. Don't don't oh. feel bad about that one, mate, because that was. Oh. That was the one where it was only when Oscar said you were right, I knew for sure. I didn't know on any of them. Yeah, that's a, that is kind of tough. Can't, you can't not get one to five. Like, you can't. Yeah, that's why I started with that yeah. down. <laughs> get those out of the way in case you have another Mo Salah moment. And then that's... But yeah, I would have probably you gone imagine 12. imagine he just forgets five golden rings? Like, that's the one that keeps him out? Oh, my gosh. That's the only present they care about. That's why everyone makes such a big deal, because she's like, ah, oh, five. <laughs> Finally. Gold rings. Something fucking useful. What am I going to do yeah. with all these partridges? Well, it's just the one partridge. Well, Does no. the pear tree come with no, the partridge? No, because like, it's perpetual. It's cumulative, yeah. Each day, she gets another, and the partridge. She's got 12 yeah. partridges and pear trees in a minute. She's got a fucking orchard. Wow. So she's got a 111 <laughs> pipers piping? No, because that's only on the... 121 pipers piping? Why 121? She doesn't get 11 on the first day. Maths. Yeah. I told you I can't one, do arithmetic. One, three, <laughs> six, ten, fifteen, twenty-one... Yeah. 28. Well, it can't be three because it has to be a multiple of two. 35. So it'd be one, four, nine. Oh, you just square all one, of them. One, two, That's three, you, four, no, you don't. five. No, you, don't. you add that each day. So each day it goes up like that. So each day, anyway. on the first day, she gets one <laughs> present. Second day, three presents. Third day, six. Then 10. Then 15. But then you add all the others because maths. Gotcha. 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 Okay. Um, <laughs> the last category, the one I'm extremely, extremely excited about, but we'll see how you guys do, because I do think it's kind of tough. Oh, oh, brilliant. He's already reneged, fucking negged on it. No, it's a great, it's a great fucking category. You guys are going to, when, when I say it, you guys are going to think it. Um, Chuck. How, how many Christmas Beatles? <laughs> <laughs> None. According to Spotify, oh, fuck. these are the all-time top streamed Christmas songs. I wrote down the top 25. Okay. So how many of the 25 all-time 
most streamed Christmas songs on Spotify can you name? Mm, okay. <laughs> Isn't this a good category? No. I'm so proud of this yeah, category. No. This is good. This is one of those ones where you can just go out really quickly. Yeah. Yeah, but some of these, like... Four? Come on. Four, okay. Um, Six. All right, Ian's got six of seven. the 25 most streamed. Seven. Eight. Eight, we are approaching the one-third mark. Nine. Nine, ladies dancing. Mr. Simpson, do you <laughs> want to take us to Lords of Leaping? Uh, ten. Okay. Ultimately, this is just guessing Christmas songs and hoping that they're in the top Yeah, just guess the most popular ones. Yeah, 11. Yeah. A lot of these are as obvious as you would think. There are a couple of weird ones because it's Spotify and like young people or whatever, but... Ah, fucking is young there, Spotify's global, isn't it? Yes, it's global. 12. Days of Christmas. <laughs> yeah, do you want to take us to the beyond the 50% mark, Chuck? No. All right. I was riding, even with seven, yeah. I was like... The, the 50% mark is a psychological one here, I think, because you are just going with Christmas songs and hoping they're as popular as you think There's they a, are. It, it's, it's 100% one of those categories where probably if you had it all in front of you, 23 out of 25... You listen to multiple times every day across Christmas, and then there's two weird ones in there. I will say this. I gave this list to my brother, and he got 13. Okay. So 12, I think 12 is right around the range where you're like, okay, I'm just going to say the 12 biggest Christmas songs I can think of. Okay. Um, So you're right in that sweet spot. I just like it in the Bluffer record that I've taken on three questions this week. Oh, I will say this as well, Ian. A bunch of these, obviously, like... Stop giving you know, caveats. No, no, no. A bunch of these Stop have giving, multiple artists that have recorded. Like, everyone's recorded Frosty the Snowman, right? So you don't have to give me the artist. But if you do... You can't you can't give extra caveats after the bidding stops. <laughs> How fair is enough. that fine, fair? Fine, fine, fine. With fucking Wrighty McWrighterson down here, <laughs> just writing down everything that he's got. He's probably got Spotify open in front of him. I'm not on this one. I'm not... <laughs> That you're because. dropping shit like this is bullshit. Collusion. He's just mad because he knows you're going to get it like when you did the 30 Beatles songs. Music is your secret superpower. This is bullshit. Okay, let's go then. So, um, Just give him the fucking point now. <laughs> so I've got to get 12. Um, yeah. All I want for Christmas is you, Mariah yeah. Carey. It's got to be number one, right? Have you got them ranked? I do, yeah. That's number one. Yeah. She makes half a million each year just on that song. Yeah. That's simply it. Crazy. Yeah. Only only hit number one in the UK this year, last week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was kept off. It was it was never, never number been number one. one until this week. She has a really bad Christmas special on Apple TV Plus. Yes, if anyone I saw wants some clips it. of that on Gogglebox, which is a uh, yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, it's not good and heavily auto tuned. I wonder if she can't sing anymore, which is sad. <laughs> anyway, that is one. Ian, I need eleven more. All I want for Christmas is you, by Mariah Carey, the number one most streamed all time song. Great song. Uh, Wham! Last Christmas. Number two, just running right down the list. Second most ever. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what your caveats were earlier. So I'll go with it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. It is number four. Doesn't matter. This whole thing's a farce anyway. <laughs> Shambles. Uh, do you want to guess the artist just for fun? I won't give any points, I'll tell you the most, the bet more streamed. Of course you won't, because that's not what the fucking question was asked. <laughs> okay, okay. No, you changed what... No, but I would say the more streamed happy. one would be Buble. Yes, that is. That's the number four. Okay. Very good. Um, so it's the first one on the album. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, Santa Claus is coming to town. Ooh, you lucky, lucky boy. That's number 24. Ooh. Is that Michael Jackson? 
Springsteen one, probably. Not Springsteen, no. The most popular version of that song is by Mr. Michael Bublé. He is the only person on the list more than once, and he is here three times. Everybody else, not even the queen of Christmas, Mariah Carey herself. Just keep giving out hints, mate. Yeah, (laughs) It's a a big album. He doesn't know what the third one is. is Um, Step Into Christmas. No! I think that's really big in England, but if you recall, I had never even heard it. And I'm obsessed yes, with Christmas songs. It's a Christmas songs. It's a good song. It's a great song. It's absolutely a great song. Even I had never heard it. So, sorry, oh, Ian. Do you want to keep throwing stuff out between the two of you guys, though? Let us know, let us know, let us know. Uh, yes. Do you want to guess as to which version? It's number 10 all time. Dean Martin? Yeah. Nope. Really? Frank Sinatra, actually. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, White Christmas. That's on here for sure. Number 12 all time, although that is the number one selling Christmas song of all time by almost double the second. I wanted to look up the top selling ones, but there's no charts for the UK, and I figured it would be unfair to just do the American top selling. So Yeah. But White Christmas has hold more than twice as much as the second top selling Christmas song of all time. And the problem with sales and stuff is it's so, literally every website you go to counts different things and stuff. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah, a mess yeah, yeah. for bluffer categories. So I figured this was like nice, definitive, like Spotify says yeah, this yeah. is correct. Uh, White Christmas, do you guys want to guess on the version? Of Bing Crosby. Bing, yeah, yeah got to be Bing Crosby. That's yeah. right. Yeah, that was number 10. No, number 12. I thought I'd be okay. With, I, I, I must admit, I totally forgot that you had uh, not heard of Step Into Christmas. Fairy Tale of New York is... Yeah, it's got to be up there, surely. No, it's no, not. Fairy Tale of New York is not. That's another one that's only popular in the UK. Yeah. That's good. But it's not popular with me, so... <laughs> yeah, there you go. Do uh, they know it's Christmas? Is that... Uh, that just yep that is yeah. yeah yeah that's number nine comes in above let it snow okay wow oh if kelly clarkson's on the list i'm gonna lose my mind she sure is at number oh 20 oh my god underneath the I tree mean, it's a, th- i think at least 17 million of those are me <laughs> i played it i played it 14 times in a row when bournemouth and watford got relegated <laughs> i cannot I believe i missed that i was feeling festive that day yeah. um because it's Spotify. Oh. I mean, it, the, a weird one like is underneath the tree there, the Leona Lewis that's, one. No, underneath the tree is Kelly Clarkson. How no, dare you, sir? Uh, no. uh, one more sleep. One more sleep. One more sleep. Yeah. Uh, no, that's another one I had never heard. Okay. You guys are. You, I mean, yeah. You guys are UK heavy, but this is the global list. Yeah. So two weird ones that I'll throw out from the top five. I can't. I can't listen to music physically in America. <laughs> That can't yeah. happen. <laughs> and there's all sorts of international complications right now. Um, I can't be there. This one super surprised me. Number three is Ariana Grande with Santa Tell Me. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. Sense. Because it's just basic bitch stuff. It really it? is. Just yeah, be- it's very root one. <laughs> yeah. Put, bell, put bells over it. The Beebs was at number five with Mistletoe. So those oh, are two weird off. ones. But the yeah. rest are like not at all surprising. Do you want me to rattle Feliz them off or do you want Navidad. to keep going guess out? Yep, Feliz Navidad at number 13. Rockin' Robin. Rockin' Robin is not a Christmas song. Do you mean... It's about a Robin. That's a Christmas song. <laughs> no. There's Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Is that what you meant? Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree. Oh, yeah, that's Lee. number seven all time. Uh, <sighs> what? Stevie Wonder. That's what Christmas means to me. Nope. Not on the list. Great, great song, Spotify but not on the list. Spotify is bollocks, in it? Spotify is just bullshit. I'm so glad I don't give them money. All my money's going straight to Jeff Bezos. Good, good <laughs> As it should be. <laughs> Yeah, go through the list. Go through the list quick. All right, yeah, we've been recording uh, for three at days. At number now. six, it's the most wonderful time of the year by Andy Williams. <laughs> at number eight, Jingle Bell Rock. 
by Bobby Helms. At number 11, Happy Xmas War is Over by John Lennon. John Lennon, At number 14 was Michael Bublé's other entry. And I'm surprised you didn't try to find a third Michael Bublé song when I told you that was there. Uh, And that's Holly Jolly Christmas. At number 15, Driving Home for Christmas by Chris Chris Rea. Oh, I nearly said that, but I thought that would be too UK-centric. I nearly said that one. That that one does feel like it shouldn't... That's weird that I ditched that one because it was... Yeah, I ditched that one because I thought it'd be too UK and went Elton John. That's yeah, okay. There you go. Uh, number sixteen, the Christmas song, Nat King Cole, obvious all time great. Number seventeen, mm-hmm. we all hate this song, Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. Oh. This just shows Pete, you can't trust the public. No. That's true. Yes. <laughs> uh, number eighteen, yeah. have yourself a merry little Christmas. Surprised by the version of this that made it was Sam, Sam Smith. Smith. Yeah. It's a really good version. It's a great. It's on the. I really like it. Follow us on Spotify for the Mop official Christmas playlist from a couple of years ago, (laughs) which that song is on. Uh, Blue Christmas by Elvis, the Elvis version at nineteen. At twenty, we had Kelly Clarkson. We said that number twenty-one, Christmas Lights by Coldplay. Number twenty-two, Holly Jolly Christmas, the only song to make two appearances on the list. This one by Burl Ives. Wait, so that would have counted as two answers. Yeah, because uh, you originally said yeah. we didn't need artists. <laughs> okay, yeah. fine. Uh, Merry Christmas, Everyone by Shaken Stevens. I've never oh, heard I of that. Oh, I can't see. I've erased that from my mind. I, is that a UK song? I've literally never heard that. It is. And last year, I mixed him singing that on Loose Women. And if you want to laugh, Google that. Fuck me. Mm, <laughs> okay, all right. And number 25, Sleigh Ride by The Ronettes. Uh, Sleigh Ride. Okay. Sleigh Ride, that's the one. So those are the 25. I'm upset the darkness isn't there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. To be honest. All right, so point to Chuck this week. Well played, Chuck. 3-3-1. Three, three, yeah, thanks, Ian. I went the Ian route. Funny yeah, enough, I was going to say, I'm being, I'm being tactically outmaneuvered in the bluffer in a serious way. This is 3-3-1 three, three, now. It's bad times. Yeah. And I host next week, so the, it's going to be 4-3-1. I mean, I'm, I'm seriously losing ground already. Yeah, it's slipping away from you, mate. <sighs> Never demand. Okay, so fixtures. Well, now... should we bother? Because like the midweek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, predictions. Uh, Chelsea beat no. Wolves. <laughs> Let's not. Oh, Spurs Liverpool. That'll be fun. That's tomorrow or Wednesday. In the past, for the listener. <laughs> Sure. Not if you get it. Yeah. Not if you get this out Wednesday morning. That's not going to happen. It's not fucking happening. <laughs> We've been recording for eight hours. Condolences. R.I.P. Uh, I tried to rush through those fixtures, too. Like, I really <laughs> genuinely was like, skip, 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 skip. You need to try harder, mate. Like, uh, so, should we do the Saturday fixtures, then? Palace-Liverpool? Yay. Uh, rest in R.I.P., Chuck, or are you going to get a result there? Early kickoff. We'll probably win. All right, there you go. You heard it here first. Yeah, so we can't really do fixtures that much, so good luck to everyone. Uh, FPL deadline's already been. Unlucky. Gutted if you forgot. Uh, probably Raf. Raf probably forgot. He, always he definitely forgot. And uh, the next deadline is 11 o'clock. And then that takes us up to, after this week's recording, uh, no more games before until Christmas. So we'll do a bit of a review. Ian will do a bluffer. Um, uh, we'll call it a Christmas special. Christmas piss up. Should we get drunk? Let's get oh, drunk. Oh, do. Yeah, could do. Sure. Christmas drink up. Well then, that about wraps us up in this crazy Christmas schedule. So thank you very much for listening. If you want to support this absolute shit show, 
patreon.com forward slash miles offside pod follow us on twitter we're giving away a copy of fifa 21 i keep forgetting to mention that nate Whitten produces us he's got a girlfriend say goodbye ian <laughs> bye-bye say goodbye oscar bye oscar and if we don't hear from you merry fucking christmas you filthy animals And a happy new year too.